Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Will you guys do me a favor and welcome to the stage Mr. Scott Cantrell. Whoo, I'm fired up for this one. Now look, I don't know what they think about their pastor, but they gave me a whole box of Kleenexes. Yeah, exactly. And so it's going to be great. This is Mr. Scott Cantrell, and uh, a lot of you guys may know him. You can grab a seat. You can stand up. You can do whatever you feel most comfortable with. I'm going to sit down if that's okay. Awesome. And Scott's story, when we talk about my story, your story, his story, like what we want you to know is you're going to hear over the next five weeks some amazing stories, but you're going to find real quickly how you can identify with one of these stories and, and how it's not just his story. It's, it's actually your story. And, and the crazy part, like we sung a minute ago, like, but, but his story, it trumps all of it. And Scott's story is a, is a story of cancer. And before we dive into it, is there anything you'd like to say before we even get started? <clears throat> well, I'd like to say that this is my story, but it's not about me. It's going to be uh, his story. It's going to be about what God did for me and what he's still doing for me. And, uh, you know, everybody has a story, and um, you can have hope and faith and that God will give you peace over those stories. And, um, yeah, so, you know, having a relationship with God, it, 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 it just helps everything. I mean, just go to him in prayer, ask for peace, and, and he will give it to you because Before he gave it to me. No, it's good. And before we dive too far, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something that's sympathetic on my heart. Like, I know without a shadow of a doubt, you're fixing to hear an amazing story. And for some of you in the room, you're going to go somewhere that I need you not to go. Because I want you to know, I sympathize with anybody in this room that has lost a loved one to cancer. Like, I don't want you to think that we are portraying that, you know, hey, if you love Jesus, then, then God's going to heal you and that nobody dies. Like the reality is, is there's people that die every day from this horrible disease. And so the question is not if God would heal. The question is, is, is God wants to do many things in many people's lives if we're willing to go on a journey with him. And so if you've lost somebody with cancer, can I first just, just from my heart tell you I love you. I'm sorry for your loss. I, too, have lost major people in my life to cancer. But that doesn't negate this story. In fact, it, it gives us hope of people that we know they're dealing with it now. Scott, you've had cancer four times. That's right. Once just wasn't enough, was it? It wasn't enough. You just like, I, I can do more. Come on, just keep bringing it. I, I got more. <laughs> God wanted to show out. <laughs> yes. And he did. And it all started in 2010, correct? That's right. 2010, you told me you found out you had cancer. And it was a little bit of a, like a, a shocking thing. Like, like the first time you heard it, it's like you almost you didn't realize what it was, and you was going to the doctor. And, and tell us a little bit about that part, those very beginning days when you were trying to, you know, go to the doctor, and you're starting to realize the gravity of the situation. Yeah, so um, when I went to uh, the doctor after they had uh, sent off my lymph node to do lab work on it, he, he was like, well, I don't really think you have cancer. But uh, when it came back, I got a call to his office, and it was um, indeed cancer. And um, so he referred me to an oncologist here in town. So 
I went to see them, and uh, it was a serious cancer. It was um, it was one that was aggressive. It was one that uh, was very rare at the time. And uh, so when the doctor told me that I that I had cancer, I really didn't realize the severity of it. And uh, <clears throat> so when the oncologist told me that they couldn't treat my cancer in Cleveland or in Chattanooga, that I'd have to go to Vanderbilt, um, that's, that's what I did. That's what we did. So we went on a journey to Vanderbilt. I met with an oncologist over there, and, um, and she was just great. But uh, we were talking about the cancer, and I still, I was like, let's give me some medicine. Let's just get rid of this stuff, you know. I really didn't know the severity of it. But um, you're going to think this is funny, but uh, when we were talking about it, and she was talking about all the things that were coming, coming down the pike, uh, the, the first time that I knew that it was serious was I asked the doctor, am I going to lose my hair? And uh, she said, yes, you will. And so I got emotional at that point because I knew I'd seen people without hair that had gone through cancer, and, and I knew that this was a serious thing. And so, yes, I did get emotional, but one thing she did say to me that I always remember, she said, we're going to go through this together. And... Um, so, um, on, on the, she told me that there was going to be a week of chemo every month for several months to get prepared for what she said was a stem cell transplant, which I had no idea what that was. And um, <clears throat> so, fast forwarding, my first week in Vanderbilt, I took my chemo all week long, and on my ride home, I'd gotten some cards and some letters from some people, and um, you know, it was just uh, support and thinking about me and praying about me. And so I became emotional. And I, I, I don't mind to tell you, I was scared to death of what was coming. And uh, so I just, in my heart, prayed to God for peace. I needed some peace because I was literally scared to death. And I'm, I'm telling you that the last word out of my mouth uh, on that ride home, when I asked God for peace, it was immediately, I can't really describe it to you, but he re immediately covered me with peace about the whole situation. And not only that day, but what was coming down the pike. Um, and there's a, uh, <clears throat> there's a scripture in Philippians, if you want to go to that sometime. Um, it talks about for us not to be anxious about anything but to go to God in prayer and supplication and, and um, thanksgiving and that he will give us peace beyond understanding. And that's, that's what happened to me that day. This is the part of the story that when we were talking, he just, he just kind of I blew by it. You know? And then all of a sudden, the more I heard his story, I realized how big of a deal this was. In fact, that scripture he just quoted, you'll see it on the screen. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And, that, you know, it reminded me when I was talking to Scott, like, like Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. And, and he hit a point in life, and they said, you know what, I'll, I'll give you whatever you want. Just ask for it. And he didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for wealth. He, Solomon said, give me, give me wisdom. And we look at how much that changed King Solomon's life and how we get books of the Bible out of that with Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon's and other things like that in the Proverbs. Well, here's Scott at a point of really... Like the gravity of the situation, 
the realizing the seriousness of it, the overwhelming of emotions, riding in this car, reading these letters. And at that moment, he didn't pray, you know, hey, Lord, touch my body and heal me. He didn't pray, Lord, you just be with my family. I, I think it's very intriguing. Like the thing you went to was, was you prayed for peace. That's right. That's right. And what's so amazing is that when he prayed for peace, are you ready? He got it. Yeah. Isn't it funny how we pray for something and God does it and we go, get out of here. <laughs> like we pray, we pray, we don't have an anticipation. Like we pray and then it happens and we're like, he actually gave this to me. Like, well, that's what you asked for, right? That's like, right. Why, would I, why would I not give that to you? In fact, it reminds me of another scripture that's found in James, James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. You'll see it up there as well. And it very simply talks about the fact that, you know what, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. Catch this. Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. See, I, I think there's a key aspect there. And I listen, I'm not here to debate why God has certain situations where there's a miracle story and certain situations where there's mourning and loss. That's the wrong question. And if we ask that question, we're going to seek the wrong answers. The reality is, is God is a loving, gracious God, and he does desire to give you life and give you life more abundantly. And he does want to provide for you if you will ask. If you don't, here's, can I make it simpler and I'm going to let Scott get back to his story? I guarantee you, if you don't ask, you won't get it. You think, I don't know if it's, I, I, why don't you ask and see? And ask with the right motives and be willing to tell God's story. Now, we start there, and we battle cancer in 2010. We go through the stem cell. We actually battle it, you know, two other times in 2013 and 2017. Right. And I, I want us to kind of be able to just, if you don't mind, to skip ahead to like 2019, because that's where this has popped up again. Mm -hmm. And this cancer has popped up again, and this is where some other people are starting to get involved and where we've been praying and, and I want to just, if you'll help us, just if we can pick up the story. We've, we've battled cancer, but it keeps rearing its, its ugly head. But in 2019, it comes back up, and you've been praying in 2017. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've been diagnosed with cancer again, leukemia, I believe it was. That's right. And then they put you on a, a pill, like a chemo pill, mm -hmm. and say it'll last about a year. But it, about two years later, that, that cancer is starting to, to change. Right. So talk from us that perspective. <clears throat> so my leukemia in 2019 uh, transformed into uh, uh, lymphoma. It's called Richter's transformation. And um, so it's, it's kind of amazing to think, <clears throat> excuse me, how God's hand was in all of this. Because had it have stayed leukemia, they weren't going to be able to um, treat me at Vanderbilt because of my insurance would not pay for that using a donor. So we were looking at having to go to Maryland to have my transplant there. But um, when the leukemia transformed to lymphoma, then it was my insurance was going to pick up and pay for us to have the transplant at Vanderbilt. So God was God's hand was in that big time. So let me, I just want to pause and we're going right back into it. But, like, sometimes when you think things have taken a turn for the worst, no, that's God orchestrating a path. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to understand that you don't see everything that he sees. 
Like a part of knowing that he's undeniable is that he's undeniable in every situation. He is working things out to the good for those who are called and loved by his name. And so don't be so quick on your side of heaven and on your side of the timeline to start doubting or questioning because he may be working out something that's, that's better for you, but it seems like it's worse at that particular time. So you have this going on, and now we know that we're going to be going to Nashville, going for treatment, so we've got to work out a donor. That's right. So we do what? We, we put in the donor list for the United States? Right. And how many matches were there? None. Not even one? Not even one. A half? Not even a half. <laughs> so what do you do when they tell you we, we have no matches in the United States of America? So they have an um, organization. It's like Be the Match here in America, but it's called DKMS, and it's internationally. And so once they didn't find a donor here in the U.S., they went to the uh, International Registry. And uh, lo and behold, one match was found for me. Um, that, that pause, please. One. They went through 30 million uh, uh, registers to find this one person. Yeah. One in 30 million. Like, I, like I'm an old, old movies guy, you know, like, like you're saying we got a chance. <laughs> like, come on, guys, you got to laugh. Like, this story we <laughs> ends in a good way. But know that there's, there's one, because we're going to come back to that. Can you tell me a little bit about that one? So this person is from, was from Germany, and they told us that he was going to be my donor. He had agreed to be my donor. So um, at the time when he donated, he was 34 years old. He signed up on the registry at age 18. And, you know, for 16 years, hadn't heard a word. He's, had a, he's gotten married. He's got family. Um, you know, he's going on with his life. And then all of a sudden, they call him up, you know, to, to be a donor. And he was all about that. This guy is a, um, he, he loves to serve people, and, uh, and that's, what, that's what his purpose was. But when he got this call, his purpose ramped up. He was like, man, this is going to change my life. Um, we had him over for Thanksgiving after my two-year anniversary of my trans transplant. Because we, we could, we could uh, communicate with each other by writing, but we could not talk. We didn't know. We couldn't, uh, they wouldn't let us know anything about each other, where we're from, or anything like that. So, um, so for two years. So at the two-year mark, we had him over um, for, for Thanksgiving to spend some days with us. And it, it was an awesome visit. And he told me that day, or when he was in town, that... Um, the transplant, to be able to donate to someone and, and save their life. Because without him, guys, I was not going to live. That's how important that was. So with his donation, he told me that it, it, it completely gave him a new, um, a new goal in life, gave him, it revitalized him. It just kind of made him like a different person. He had something out there that he could reach for and he had concrete evidence that what he did for me um, was 
actually, he did, he served me. He served me his his stem cells, and um, he he caused me to live. You know, it's it's that important. So one other thing about him, <clears throat> he's a runner. Uh, he be, he began ran, running several years ago, and he um, since this all took place, he is now. Uh, as we speak today, he is running a 45-day marathon across Germany to raise funds for this, uh, this organization called DKMS uh, to help other people with blood cancers, uh, to give them finances to be able to, to, be able to do that for, for other people. So, um, yeah, he's, he's my hero, definitely. That's good. Are we allowed to say his name? Yes. Toby. Go ahead. Uh, Toby, I call him Tobias. A lot of you met him last year, and he currently, like right now, I don't know how many days he's into it. I think about four days. He's four days into a 45-day journey running across Europe. Like, like I, I drove a few weeks ago eight hours and had to stop twice. <laughs> <laughs> he's running 45 days across Europe. And the reason why I share that is, listen to me, sometimes your trial is not really about you. Did you hear that? Sometimes the things you're going through in the attributes of God and him being undeniable, it, it actually, like, you may be a part of the picture but it, it may not actually really be about you. You're just the vessel that God's going to use to tell his story. In fact, that's one of the things I love about Scott's story. Because another thing, you know, briefly, tell us about the housing. Like, like okay, we're going to have this stem cell. Now it's going to take a year. We've got to be in Nashville for a year. And we need to find a place to stay. And here's a lady that has a place, but she only wants to rent to people that are long-term. But. Yeah, so we. Uh... We, were, we went over to Nashville a couple of times before we went for uh, my treatment and my transplant. We were looking for a place to live. We were going to be over there for 100 days plus. And um, so we went looking and, and had no, no success with that. We had three dogs that we, we were going to take with us. So we needed somewhere that uh, would take dogs and maybe had a fenced-in yard and, and, and that kind of thing. So uh, no luck in finding a place. So my wife, Becky, she got on the internet and she was looking at houses for rent somewhere that we could keep our dogs too and uh someone somewhere that was clean and because i had to have a clean environment going through that and when she called the lady about it she uh, the lady told her she said i'm only interested in long-term renters not want to do short term so becky thanked her and they hung up and we we were praying about this you know we were like we we you know god we've got to have this place and we've right, got to Again, here we go again. Here's that word. He was praying about it. Like, I just don't want it to blow by that. Like, the constant, he's been praying, praying for peace. Peace keeps showing up. He's, you know, despite the information he's getting, he still has this peace. All these years later, still has this peace. Everything's going to be okay. He's praying about it. Keep going. I really didn't know how big that prayer for peace was going to be, but it, it was huge, and it's still, it's still huge for me now. But back to the story. Um, Two days went by, and this lady called Becky back, and she said, hey, I've been thinking about your story, and um, I'm going to go ahead. I want to rent to you for your short-term stay. So, man, that was such a blessing for us because this house had a fenced-in backyard, 
It was a house that was, um, uh, the environment in the house was clean. She knew what we were coming for, and before we came, she made it awesomely clean for us. So the lady, she was very young. I don't remember how old she was, but she was young, probably in her upper 20s or early 30s. And, um, yes, she, so she decided that. And I tell you, uh, since that day, since she rented us, uh, she's been in contact with Vanderbilt since we've been there. I mean, that, that was going on when, while we were there. But uh, she no longer did long-term renting. She worked it out with Vanderbilt where she could rent to people that were going through the same thing that I was. In fact, um, there's a family here that had a nephew that had a heart transplant. And, uh, well, Eddie and Susan, you guys, I don't, mind, I don't think they mind me saying their name, Moreland. But anyway, they uh, had a nephew that was going through a heart transplant, and he was able to stay in his house. Uh, his stay was supposed to be longer, but he was good in a month, so they were able to come home. But uh, her, her uh, I guess her message to Vanderbilt was, hey, if you've got people that need a, a short-term stay, I'll, I'll rent to them. That, that's the that's one of the things I want you to catch, like like we're gonna talk in just a second. You know, okay, where's Scott at? What does this mean? Like, where's cancer? What's what's going on? With like, but in this process, here's what I wrote down in my notes. Can I just read with you what I wrote down? He puts worth to the worthless. He puts worth to the worthless. Now, don't mishear me. What I'm talking about, can't cancer's worthless. They ain't nothing good, like, why? I'll tell you why, because sin entered the world, and in that process, disease and death entered. And Satan's trying to still kill and destroy, and he's using everything he can to be at his needs, and, and distortion and disease and all those things are not of God. They're opposite. And you know what? There's a lot of things, and it's worthless. But God says, you know, I, I'll put worth to the, even in your darkest moments, I will help change people's lives so that they find worth. Here's a lady that went from like, hey, I need long-term, to like, you know what? This has changed my life. I'm going to call Vanderbilt, and I'm going to make sure they know. Anytime somebody needs a place, if this is available, I'll rent to them. Because mm -hmm. it's hard to find a place over there. I mean, really, I mean, they, you know, uh, to have a clean environment, I mean, and, and if you have, you know, pets to take with you, it's, it's, it's really hard to find one that's, that's clean, that you need. Um, so, thankfully, this lady, um, thankfully, God answered our prayers on that. You won't see this scripture, but, and Scott, I didn't share this with you, but I'm going to take a privilege for a second. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says this. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That's, that's Joshua talking to his family who had thrown him in a pit. Can I read it again? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So, Scott, here we are in 2022. We went through COVID. Your immune system, because of medicines and stuff, you already have to be real careful. Right. We don't want to make this sound like butterflies and rainbows. So tell me what life is like now. Are you cancer-free? I'm cancer-free. I uh, still have to be careful. <clears throat> yeah. I want to. I want to say one other thing. Uh, the scripture that Mickey just read. You know, when they when we talked to the transplant team in Vanderbilt, when we were talking about 
the transplant for me. They were only giving me a 30% chance of coming through that alive and um, that I would stay alive after that. So for me, I kind of changed that around, you know, because I know, I know I have God right here, you know, and I changed it around in my heart to say, hey, I've got a 70% chance of living and 30% chance that I, that, that I won't. That's kind of the way I looked at it. So, yes, like Mickey said, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all butterflies and roses. I mean, I went through some tough times. I was sick. I mean, there were some times where I, where I thought I wasn't going to make it. And uh, coming out of that last transplant, um, I was very sick for, for a while. And uh, thankfully, we had the house in Nashville that, you know, we had to make daily trips back and forth to the hospital. So um, God just orchestrated all that, and he, you know, he gave me strength coming out of that. It was slow, but you have to be patient. You know, it was slow, and I slowly built up. And um, 30%, I just threw it out the window. You know, here I am today, uh, three years later, um, and, and doing well. I still have to be careful around, you know, sickness and that kind of thing. But uh, other than that, I'm very active and I'm, I'm very well. You know, the thing that I want you to make sure you catch with Scott is, you know, the, the end of this story is obviously not over because now he's sharing it, right? But there's still struggles. You know, I mean, I, a couple of weeks ago, I know we were praying for you because you'd gotten sick and picked up some sort of virus. Right. And, you know, and everything going on with the pandemic and different things like, you know, it, it's, it, God healed him, but again, here, here's positive pastor, right? Scott, one day will pass. Mm-hmm. But God ain't done with him yet, just like he ain't done with you. You say, how do you know that? Because you're breathing. And so where are you going to focus? The rest of this story is, so here's a family that was really changed, and we do want to let you know that his amazing wife, Becky, where are you at, Becky? Stand up. Stand up. You, you need to stand up. Stand up. Can you guys, like, that lady yeah. was awesome. <laughs> yes, she was. Yeah. We love you. Thank you for being an amazing wife. Yes. And, and she was so changed. You know how we talk about how this changes people's story, adds worth to the worth? We've been praying for a lady that needed a kidney and couldn't find a match. And last week, like not yesterday, but last week, like Tuesday, not a month ago, not a year ago, Tuesday, 21 days of prayer, Becky found out she was a match for this amazing lady. So y'all be praying for her because she's going to be giving one of her kidneys away. <laughs> And I share that to let you see the story. It's a story of healing. It's a story of sickness. It's a story of triumph. Will you guys do me a favor? Will you guys thank Scott? Thank you so much, my man. Can I, can I say yes, one other thing? You can. <clears throat> so I'll tell you, Satan's been after me this week big time. I mean, nothing that I've done has gone, gone right. So, you know, it was, it's been a tough week. But... Um, I think back to, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's what I fall back on when times like that happen. I wanted to share one other thing with you. The song we sung today, Firm Foundation, uh, there's a verse in there that was pretty powerful. It, uh, it says, I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going down because I've built my life on Jesus He's faithful in every season. Yeah. Amen. Y'all give it up for Mr. Scott. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much. See, God, yes, that's good. See, I want you to know during this series as you're hearing that God is undeniable. Like the way that he orchestrates stuff. You say, well, Mickey, how, how is that story my story? Because you have a sickness. You have a sickness that without healing is going to kill you. No, it's not cancer. And you didn't do anything to deserve it. But you've inherited it. It's called sin. And you can let it oppress you. You can let it abandon you, push you down. Or you can lean into a Savior that says, I'll give you healing. You know, I get amazed at how we will we'll run to God in times of sickness and say, Lord, if you'll just help me with this, if you'll just take this from me, if you'll be with my parents, be with my grandparents, be with my kids. But then we run into like we're going to do the things the way we want to do them. In fact, when I talked to Scott, the story I remembered in, in the scripture you're going to see on the screen is Moses. Moses, it's Exodus. He's went through these things, and the very last thing that he said, you know, like God's telling him he's going to let help the people come out of captivity. And in verse 13, here's what Moses said. He said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Like, let me just take two minutes. Listen to me. Two minutes. Give me two minutes. There was a lot of things that Moses was dealing with at that bush, but the thing that got God upset is when he got reluctant. But God's like, I've already orchestrated this. I've got you, but, now, but here's the thing. I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Reluctancy is the starting point of destruction. And he looks at him, he says, well, what about, your, what about your brother Aaron? Now, here's what you don't realize. He ain't seen Aaron in 40 years. Moses is 80, Aaron's 82. Remember, he killed that guy, took off fleeing from Egypt. He hadn't been back. He's gotten married. He has children. He's encountered God on a mountain. And he's saying, what about your brother Aaron? And when he comes down out of that mountain, you know what? God had already spoke to Aaron and started the process of sending Aaron to him. And when he came off that mountain, him and Aaron met, and they never looked back. Listen to me. God has already made the provisions in your life. If you'll take the time to meet him on the mountain. There's going to be people in your life that he's, Tobias, 16 years prior, put his name on a registry at age 18, not knowing that at age 34, he was going to be sending him to give stem cells for this gentleman by the name of Scott Cantrell. In fact, here's the way I would tell you. Here's where I think most of us sit. You're going to see a slide. It's Death Valley. It's called Death Valley, and you can throw that picture up. I mean, it's, it's called Death Valley. Why? Because there ain't nothing alive there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, look at that. There's people that travel from all around. So they can go, whoo, we're going to go see Death Valley. I'm like, why? Like, I can look at a picture. That, there ain't nothing there. 
You know, where are you going? I'm going to Daytona. <laughs> I'm not going to Death Valley. I want to go somewhere where there's life, where there's fun, where, where there's water. Where there... And that's where most of us, when we think about it, that's where we live, isn't it? Oh, this is a great story. I just, boy, I just wish we, I wish I had a story like that. I just, I just don't have what I need. I just don't have what, like, I just wish I, like that forever. That's why it was called Death Valley. Just like the way you look at your life and feel like you like it. But then something happened in 2016. There was a major flood and a lot of rain that they'd never experienced again. And can I show you a picture of Death Valley in 2016? Show them the next slide. Same place. It's called the super bloom of 2016. See, what they didn't realize is all of this had been lying dormant all that time. And Death Valley wasn't really dead. It was just missing the right ingredient called water. Listen to me. You ain't dead. You just missing that right ingredient called faith in Jesus Christ, where all of a sudden you can have life and have life more abundantly. The crazy part after seeing this, go back to the original slide for me, Mr. Hunter. After seeing this, I no longer look at that as Death Valley. I look at that as life in the waiting. It just needs the right nourishment. Listen to me, and I'll try not to get too emotional. I think that's you, and I think that's me. I think that's Scott's story. When everybody else was saying you only have 30%, God was like, I've already orchestrated this. I've got a gentleman that I had registered 16 years ago. I've already set everything in motion. You went to one doctor that was a little bit knucklehead. We didn't have time to talk about that. So you went to a different doctor that he found through people at Crossroads through a, through a niece that worked at Vanderbilt. Like there were so many things I could tell you how God orchestrated the step. And God's up there saying, I've got this. I will make your path straight if, if you'll acknowledge me in all your ways. Scripture tells us if we will acknowledge him in all our ways, he, being Jesus, will make our path straight. You say, Mickey, I don't feel like my path's very straight. Well, how much acknowledging are you doing? So you got two options. You can keep doing it your way and wonder what life could be like. Or you can go to the author that is the perfecter of life and submit to him and say, okay, now what is it going to be like? Can I tell you from experience? His ways are higher than yours. His knowledge is greater than your knowledge. He has the ability that if we ask, we will receive. If we knock, it'll be open. If we seek, we will find. If we'll do it with all of our heart. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.